said, this is very rare. We don't see this at all. Um, he said, what did you do? And I said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I'll tell you. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, I want to know. And I, I go, I literally, I meditated, doc. I focused within. And I explained to them the process of it, of essentially visualizing the plaque getting smaller, visualizing my blood flow improving, my arterial diameter opening, literally visualizing molecules being stacked, cholesterol molecules being removed and taken to the liver. And I would do this daily. If you've ever asked yourself, how can I get better clinical outcomes for my patients? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Rehab Link's Secrets to Success podcast, where I will be interviewing experts and teaching you how to access the best technologies, strategies, resources, and solutions so you can get the best outcomes that your patients deserve. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Rehab Links Secrets to Success podcast. I'm Lisa Chase, your host, and today we are joined by Dr. Ali Sabiri. Welcome, Ali. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for having me today. It's so great to have you. So a little background on Allie. Allie and I met years ago, and I was actually at the time looking for a uh, family physician, uh, primary care, and you became my family for the, you know physician and as well as my husband's and we referred back and forth you know with clients and you know then we just became friends and i absolutely loved your approach because it wasn't just about okay you know your your standard of care it really you looked much more at the whole person particularly the mind body connection um which i love and now you've kind of gone off into a, a new direction, even though you were doing it before, but now with a real specialty in wound care. And so I'm excited to kind of chat with you today and hear your insights. But why don't we start by, you know, I know you've got a really great background. Uh, so maybe just start by telling the listeners a little bit about you and your background and, and kind of your journey and what you're doing today. Great. Thank you. Um and yes, to uh, Lisa and I have been uh, working together and friends for a number of years now, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on the uh, podcast here. So I, I was born in D.C. and I ended up in, in Europe for medical school uh, in Hungary, uh, and I was there for about uh, eight years. And I graduated literally two weeks after 9-11. Um, and so it was kind of crazy, everything uh, going on. And I ended up literally November of that year uh, in Afghanistan, working with Doctors Without Borders in two refugee camps uh, with um, Afghani refugees. Yeah. Um, in conjunction with the Red Crescent and the United Nations High Commission for Refugees and a few other organizations there. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough to then be able to kind of indoctrinate myself into Doctors Without Borders. And and get more involved with them after that. And I uh, was in Sierra Leone with them. And I've done a, a number of national campaigns locally too about access to medications and whatnot um, for our own people and across the world. Um, and then uh, primary care kind of internal medicine came along and um, did that at the University of Tennessee in Memphis. Did three years of residency there, it was fantastic. Uh, I loved my residency. Um, 
and ended up in uh, Maryland, uh, which about two hours east of where I used to live uh, in a small farm town area, but close to the beach. Nice area. I was a hospitalist for three years. And I kind of ran the ran the hospital because I was the nocturnist. So it was me and um, me and the head nurse and a couple of ER doctors who had to stay in the ER pretty much. But we were running around to the ICU, to the surgical med surge units, cardiac units, wherever they needed us, we'd go uh, to, you know, alleviate fires, essentially. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and then admit, and then admit people. Sometimes we were in the ER all night long, like nonstop because admissions were nonstop. They were rolling. Um, And finally then moved to Florida about 12 years ago. And I really got into traditional medicine. I wanted to do more traditional medicine where I was doing both outpatient and inpatient. And all of this is still primary care. And that's when I really kind of more and more before I had adapted, uh, you know, beyond pharmaceuticals, but about 12 years ago when I got here is really when I started incorporating it more uh, because I kept questioning things that just didn't make sense to me, you know, why people weren't healing, you know, what are we doing exactly, Uh, you know, managing chronic conditions, I get it, but, you know, some of these people, we could actually try to reset their systems or there's got to be more, right? And so I just, you know, I, I, I searched, I searched, I searched, I found, and, um, and then I, uh, I really just started to incorporate more of that mind, body, spirit approach. And a lot of it was my own inner dealings, you know, my own issues I was dealing with, right. I, I was diagnosed with coronary artery disease at 36, I think. Yeah. 36, um, had a 70, 80% blockage in my, um, left anterior descending artery, Wow. It's too close to my aorta to stent because my left main artery was too small. Um, and so the guy came out of the cath and I, I was fully awake. I had done 30 hours in the ICU uh, being a chief resident there and then come over and get my cath done. Um, and um, I saw it and the guy came out and said, listen, we can either uh, put you on medical management or you have to do surgery, open heart surgery. And wow. And I asked him straight up, I said, you know, well, if I do open heart surgery, will I have to have surgery again? He said, yeah, likely in about 30 years. And I said, well, forget about that. Let's try medical management and we'll go from there. And um, so he put me literally at 36. I think I was on six medications. uh, Uh, And I had been diagnosed with high blood pressure a few years before. So I was already on two blood pressure medicine, lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide. Then the guy put me on aspirin, uh, beta blocker. Uh, cholesterol medicine and a nitrate, which is standard of for cardiac anything, right? Standard right. of care. And um, I couldn't tolerate the nitrate at all. It gave me massive wicked headaches. So I stopped yeah. that almost immediately. And then over the next year, and, and in residency, they feed you horrible food, by the way, because they overwork yes, you and you don't have do. time to actually eat and go eat. And so they give you horrible, horrible food. And the amount of stress you have is ridiculous, right? Yeah. So, um, so I started changing my lifestyle and, um, but I continued some of my meds and then, but over the couple of years, then I started to realize well, that I, I could handle this without the meds. I, my lifestyle was better. I was eating better, but I was really meditating more. I was mm-hmm. focusing within my own system because for me, honestly, and I don't, and I'm a person that questions everything. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and I encourage everyone to do that for that matter. Uh, um, but like when science tells me that I cannot control what's inside of me, I think it's hogwash. I, I don't accept it at all. Because if I can talk to like this voluntarily and do this and that, and even through deep breathing mechanisms, slow my heart rate down, my blood pressure down, and other things, which we can clearly see fluctuations in cortisol, adrenaline, immune system, brainwave patterns, MRI, uh, imaging results. I mean, the list goes on and on. How is it that I cannot control other things within my body that are more molecular, Mm -hmm. deeper, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I challenge the statement Mm -hmm. to anyone, right? I don't care if there's no double-blinded placebo-controlled data. That doesn't matter. We just do not have the the, the means to measure that. But the subjective data out there, because I'm certainly not the only one here. I mean, there's millions and millions of people that understand this process, you know? So so what I did then was eventually uh, I took myself off all of my meds except for my beta blocker. I kept my beta blocker. Um, but then I started getting chest pain a few years ago. And this was shortly after I was going through a divorce and massive chest pain, like crushing chest pain. And I, I just, I couldn't go to work. I drove myself to Morton plant hospital. My cardiologist was up there. They cathed me this time. They knocked me out with fentanyl. So I didn't see anything comes in the room afterwards he goes i'm confused ali he called me ali i'm glad he called me ali i said said, what's up (laughs) he said your plaque is only 10 to 20 percent on your prior records they were 70 percent so you don't have any stenosis you don't have any narrowing anymore he's like but i'm confused you don't take your statin uh you don't take your aspirin you stopped your blood pressure medications uh, you just take Tobrol and you're probably having vasospasms because of stress. And so we'll switch you over to diltiazem, which helps the vasospasms and not spasm anymore. And, and, and so he said, this is very rare. We don't see this at all. Um, he said, what did you do? And I said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I'll tell you. <laughs> and he, and he, he goes, I want to know. Oh, and I, I go, I literally, I meditated, doc. I focused within. And I explained to them the process of it, of essentially visualizing the plaque getting smaller, visualizing my blood flow improving, my arterial diameter opening, literally visualizing molecules being, st- cholesterol molecules being removed and taken to the liver. And I would do this daily. Yeah. Um, And I wouldn't do it. I didn't do it for months and months and months and months. No, I just committed a time to do it and I did it and then I let it be. And then I then I started to incorporate other practices of mindfulness and daily meditation into my own world uh, and uh, really just generate healing vibes. And I would feel that, right? Yeah. And the nice thing is that no one can tell me that I didn't do this because I have documentation. Yes. So. You do. Yeah. It's amazing. The power of the mind, you know, I mean, and I know, you know, like you said, there's like tons of research and studies, you know, on it, but I didn't know that whole story. So that's, I think that's fascinating. I mean, cause we see it 
in our patients. I mean, I know you've seen it. You and I have co-treated patients for many years and I hear patients that come back and, oh, Dr. Sabiri told me this. And, you know, we have them doing different things and you can see the change in people if you're committed to making the changes, right? To going within, to, you know, doing some of these lifestyle changes, which we know a lot of people aren't, but if you're committed to doing it, the power is, you know, is really quite great that you can make those changes. So it really is. It really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, a hundred percent perfect on my lifestyle. Well, changes, no, who is? Yeah. You no. know, I give myself like a 70 to 80% strong, you know, really doing the things I need to do 20 to 30%. I go out of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you do it as, as we all do. <laughs> You live your life, you know, you have to be able to do that, but yeah, you got to be able to, but that that's pretty powerful. Like with just, you know, making those mindset changes, you know, and I know you and I've talked about it, both me as a patient, you know, I know you've talked about it with my husband and with your patients. And that's something that I always loved and appreciated, you know, about your care. So I think that's great. Um, Okay. So uh, so let's kind of go into, you know, you've treated patients for many years. So what would you say has helped to give you the, the, your best outcomes, like in caring for your patients over the years, what is it that was a differentiator for you? It's so simple. It's such a simple thing that I'm going to say right now, <laughs> that it's, it's the most simple and obvious thing. And it's, right. that's just. And that's just my basic communication with my patients yeah. to earn their trust. Yeah. Once I earn their trust and gain their trust and that they know that I'm truly looking out for them. Yes. It all changes. Everything yeah. changes. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know? stopping. And then those that just can't or won't, you know, I'll still be their doctor, but I may not necessarily go that in depth anymore because I know they've heard it. And like, I don't want to like drag them down every time they come in and right. whatever, but I do do gentle reminders. Yeah. You know, gentle reminders are good. Well, I think you have to meet people where they're at, right? I mean, yeah. as healthcare yeah. providers, that's, you know, we can guide, but sometimes people aren't ready. And sometimes, you know, you see people, I know, you know, you just like me, I mean, I see people for years and, you know, they may not be ready at year one, but year four, they're like, okay, remember when you told me, right. okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so, very much so. And that's really it. I mean, once you have it, and the other thing that I've, I've, I practice personally, and which is opposite to what they teach you in med school and even residency. And in med school and residency, they teach you not to communicate your own personal issues or not issues, events with your patients. And I don't agree with that at all, at all. I want my patients to understand that I was a patient. I am a patient. Yeah. And I, and I get what they're going through. I've had abdominal surgery. I've had, I have coronary artery disease, you know, I have back pain and musculoskeletal issues, you know, and I've gone through so much research. And so that's why they, they, they love it because they know that I've researched it. 
because Absolutely. I've researched it for myself. And you're related you know? now. You've you've right. gone you have the experience. You can share, hey, this is what right. I've gone through. And, and here, let me share my story. And when people hear somebody else's story, especially, you know, when they have the background like you do, they're like, oh, like exactly. So that's key. So they're already coming to me for help. Yes. And so, yes, absolutely. And that's it for me. That that's that's the answer to your question. I agree. I would probably, you know, also say just with being a patient of yours, mm -hmm. I think the other thing, in addition to like building a rapport and that trustability, you always had such a great way of breaking things down and educating your patients, right? To give them the knowledge and the power to help them make a decision. I used to love how you'd bring your whiteboard out and you'd start drawing all these pictures and diagrams and this and that. <laughs> and I thought that that was always, I was like, this is great because you're now empowering me. You're taking things that can be very complex and you're just breaking it down into these little pieces where you're educating your patients. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Definitely. The, the education part is key. You have to, you have to, you know, it's like if I go to the mechanic and the, the guy starts burdening out words and I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> down for me, please. But most doctors <laughs> don't do that. Most physicians, right. most medical, you know, try to put themselves up more on this, you know, pedestal where they talk down to patients and patients come yeah. in and they feel intimidated. They feel rushed. They're afraid to ask questions. And when they do, they get this short answer that they don't really understand, but they're afraid to ask. And you never made me or any of my patients ever feel like that. They just loved you as a person and that how you just educated them and gave them, you know, things that, you know, were within their control, you know, at times. Right. And they either chose to take it, but that's usually the feedback, you know, that they were just like, oh my God, like, you know, and, you know, and you figured things out because mm -hmm. you took the time to stop and listen and help to break it down for them. So yeah, if you, if you actually sit down and listen to them, uh, you'll get most of your information. You don't even need to touch them, nope. but you do, of you, course, you, you, do. You, get yes. your, you, know, you stethoscope out and you do your exam, but if you just listen to them, you will get majority of your information that you need. Uh, and then I you agree. just probe a little bit, you question a little bit here and there. And what I also tell people is that, uh, I'm their advisor. Uh, I'm not their parent. I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm their advisor and I'm going to give them the information um, uh, so that they can make the best decision. But if they need my help to make the decision, I'm here for them as well. You know, um, that's very important because that then again, empowers them completely. Yes. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I, I always say the mysteries in the history, you just have to ask the right questions and listen. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. So yeah, it sounds so simple, but so many don't do it. And, and so, it, really it, you know, to me, that's the low hanging fruit for sure. So it's easy. I think the other thing that you're really great at is, um, is giving people resources, right? Whether it's books to read, a video to watch, a supplement, you know, things that you've researched like Beamer, like you've looked at other things, you know, you and I have, you know, have used the Vox products, um, yeah you know, Velavita, I know, you know, you know, there's yeah, just yeah, so yeah. many products that you and I, ASEA and Renew, right? Yeah. You're open as a physician also, I think, to looking 
at these different things and being able to bring it to a patient, you do your own research, you know, and then you're like, yes, I find validity in this. And then you give people options, right? So I don't want to take medications or I don't want to have a surgery. Okay, well, here are some other things. And you do the research and, you know, then you have things that are available to patients, um, you know, where, you know, again, in my experience, a lot of medical practitioners, you know, it's kind of either injections or surgery and, you know, meds, and there aren't a whole lot of options. So I think, you know, you do a lot of work. I know you're on different boards, right, where you're advising about these, um, these various products and things like that. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that- I am. Uh- yeah, it's it, it again. It's it's so important. All of it is so vital uh, to make sure that you're educating uh, your patients and your friends and whoever. Yes. Like I have so many curbside consults. Oh God! <laughs> Always texting over me. our happy hours, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, so tell me. So I have. <laughs> <laughs> and the other the other part is that you know all of these things are there but like the things that i do recommend i feel are um things that uh don't harm you yeah. see because there are certain things in the supplement world that can harm yeah. actually and so for me the supplements for you to take that example supplements for me should be targeted uh not just willy-nilly um and then depending on your age you know like most 16 year olds don't need supplements um you know i offer my some of my supplements to my kids and they're like no or yes i'll take this for today you know and i know it won't harm them i know it will help them right you know um but like uh 51 year old uh 65 year old 75 year old as you age your body goes through uh, uh, worsening stress damages. Uh, And it's harder for it to recover. It slows down. Our DNA uh, slows down in its recovery system. Um, Our uh, NAD uh, levels start to go down. Uh, Our collagen matrix starts to get broken down. You see it in every single organ system. And so there's different reasons for that, right? And so when you have that aspect, then, okay, so what do I want to help with? You know, or do I want to just have a general help, right? So targeting the things are important. And then I've noticed a lot of people like to put a bunch of pills here and go, yeah, not the most effective. Yeah. If you can, my recommendation would be to space them out. Just put them in your pocket. That's, you know, as the day goes on. on. Because when you take them all together, they mix up and they may actually um, inhibit each other in a way of absorption. So you just want to take them a little step, not too far. You don't even have to wait that long, but you get more effective delivery uh, for your system with that. Uh, but yeah, supplements are are key, but food, I mean, food is the, the most important, is the vital. Uh, yeah. Food and, and we're talking about physical more so, but mental and food. Uh, yeah. Food is medicine is vital. I mean, there's so much data about it. It's ridiculous. I'll get lost uh, in it. Um, and uh, I mean, it's, but again, we have a interesting society that, like consumption and mm, 
very flavorful things that may not be good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and and you have to be careful because there's like, yeah, like you said, there's so much stuff out there and there, and they say, oh, just take this one pill and, and everything, you know, in your world will be better. (laughs) And that is just not ever the case. (laughs) It will help with several things, but not everything. (laughs) No, no. I think the other thing that you and I have talked about, you know, um, is, is kind of like foundational is just increasing your microcirculation, right? Like with things like the Beamer, nitric oxide, I know you and I have talked about with, you know, if it is supplementation or doing things like the Beamer, you know, that really help to improve our, you know, our, our overall circulation. Um, and so I know that that's something that, you know, we've talked about over the years and, you know, that you use that. So talk a little bit about your wound care practice, uh, you know, because you know, there may be patients that really, oh, okay, they get a little sore. They, they don't really understand the magnitude, you know, mm-hmm. of wounds and the way that wounds can be managed and to enhance the healing process. So maybe just take a moment and share, you know, with our listeners about what you're doing in wound care. Yeah. um, So I started wound care about eight years ago at uh, the hospital that I was working at, um, at their clinic. And I knew nothing about wound care when they came to me and asked me if I wanted to be a wound care doctor. I kind of was confused at why they were asking, to be honest. But um, they said, no, we like you. And, you know, we'll teach you. It's all good. You know, you're a fast learner. (laughs) Okay. So I started and my mentors were great. Uh, The doctors, the nurses there. And then, of course, I got my certification and took my classes and all that and uh, became hyperbaric certified and um, last year opened up uh, a wound a private wound care clinic with uh, two business partners of mine that handle the business operations and the general day-to-day operations of the clinic uh, more of the clinical um, and um, we're doing mobile wound care for the most part. So we go out and see people in their homes. Uh, right now at the moment, because we are insurance-based, we do Medicare only. It takes a little time to get on these other insurances, to be honest. Um, so right now we just do Medicare and TRICARE, but we are going out there. Uh, our name of our clinic is called Heal Precisely. Heal Precisely of Northside, but healprecisely.com. And um we have uh, myself uh, as an MD. We have a doctor of podiatric medicine uh, as well that helps us out uh, and uh, some nurse practitioners. Um, and we are kind of all over the state at the moment. Uh, we're down in Fort Myers and Daytona, uh, trying to get into Miami, Lakeland, Orlando area, uh, go up to Hudson and trying to get into Jacksonville. Um, and so the growth is ever present. Uh, wounds themselves are complicated because they can cause suffering for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these people have wounds that have been there for years or months, uh, and they haven't healed through different reasons and different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people who get bumps and little traumas and lacerations, older people, those wounds don't heal well either, because as you age, your collagen matrix breaks down. Your collagen matrix is your scaffolding for your uh, your skin essentially. And it contains all your blood vessels, your lymphatic vessels, you know, all the good things in there. Uh, And so as that starts to break down, those other things start to go in. So that's why you get the flattening of the skin, the wrinkling, the easy bruising, you see all that, right? Um, And so supplementation with good collagen peptides 
also is what I recommend to my patients, to just about all my patients when I talk to them. Um, and of course, controlling your swelling in your legs, but wounds uh, a lot. Uh, I mean, most of my patients who have wounds on their lower legs have a lot of pain constantly. And it's because the, 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 the skin, the surface skin has so many nerve cells and they just get irritated and they're firing off continuously because it's neuropathic pain, sharp, stabbing, lightning, fire, you know, I mean, and, and it, it sucks. Honestly, it sucks. I, I sympathize with them. Uh, so I try to help alleviate the things like so sometimes if i'm there and they're having a lot of pain i won't be aggressive with the wound that day you know um or or like we'll make sure that they have appropriate pain control with uh, uh pain medicines that control neuropathic pain like gabapentin for example um and just to use it as needed more so than anything else um and then there's some uh other things like sometimes ice can help just cold not ice sorry cold can help cool down that yeah, of course surface lidocaine helps too um and, and, and when you treat a wound you have to be patient you mm -hmm. have to be wounds don't heal as fast as we would like especially in the older population younger people heal much faster i mean my kids have wounds all the time they heal yeah. like that you know uh, and they use renew 28 by the way <laughs> yeah i know it renews amazing <laughs> My kids call Renew 28 dad's magic gel. <laughs> I know it is. The, it is amazing. I love that stuff. Thank yeah. you for introducing it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being open to learning about it. You know, it is super impactful. I mean, you've given like a couple things that you do. What would you say is kind of your differentiator that, you know, you are helping to get wounds better, quicker than sure. others are? So absolutely. So one thing is we go to people's homes. That's yeah. uh, that's vital. That that is needed. But we have um, a diagnostic device that we use at the mm. bedside um, that helps us understand uh, bio burden uh, amounts um, <laughs> right there and then live time. And we can even see areas that we debris to remove that bio burden. And we know in chronic wounds, uh, based off of the data, the number one cause of chronic wounds not healing is chronic bio burden. And people get bio burden from all over the place. They have uh, bacterial spores on their sheets. You know, I, I talk to people, I'm like, how, when do you change your sheets? Every two weeks. I'm like, yeah, no. Can you go every two days for right now since we have a wound? Right, <laughs> you know, otherwise once a week. Right, right. Yeah. Or like they're, they'll wear the same pants because it's hard right. for them to change or the same over socks over and over yes. or the same socks, yeah. you know, or, you know, they'll sit on the same uh, uh, recliner yes. and that won't be clean. Right. And so this device, which actually I have right here, cause I was doing my notes okay. uh, before this, awesome. um, it, it shines this fluorescent image. And there's certain types of molecules in the bacteria that reflect back the image. And okay. so we can see, are these gram negatives or gram positives? I'll give you an example of uh, two gram positive bacteria that most people know about, which is MRSA and streptococcal species like strep throat, right? Yes. So we can pick up localized MRSA and strep species right then and there that wow. penetrate about two centimeters deep into the wound or peri wound area right so that for me is a game changer because you can't 
see that with the naked eye. It's impossible. Well, I mean, and like, I mean, yeah, That's it's some it's, special it's, thing, you know, biohacked in there. <laughs> that that'll be in a couple of years. They'll come out with that. Just install it in your eyeball. <laughs> 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 but that's so, I mean, that's Terminator so logo. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Um, yeah, but so God, yeah. So you could get a good diagnosis, an accurate diagnosis. So you can come up with a good treatment plan. Hey, imagine that good treatment plan. It helps me understand sometimes if it's like rip roaring, I see a lot of red fluorescence out there on the picture. I'm low. Okay. I need to take a culture. You know, I need to add a dressing right now that is highly antimicrobial. Uh, if there's like active cellulite or something, you know, of course we just go ahead and treat, you know, we just empirically treat, we'll get the culture. And then if we need to change the antibiotic, we will. So that's the one thing uh, is the molecular. Our treatment uh, is, well, actually, let me go back to diagnosis. Also having a podiatric doctor that is very good and uh, fine at uh, meticulous surgeries and meticulous things to prevent full amputations and has really, uh, I think, mastercrafted his work, uh, Dr. Eric Roberts here in town. Um, I work with him very closely. And uh, honestly, he's excellent at what he does. I trust him fully um, uh, from that perspective. Um, and so when we get together uh, and with our clinical nurses who are highly experienced, we come up with plans that are very appropriate for the patient to maximize healing potential. Um, treatment plans, like sometimes it's too tough, like it's too hard for the person to get debrided. It's just too painful. So we have other devices that we use. So we have this device called a Sanyu Wave. Sanyu Wave is a ultrasound mist device. Mm. And it, it spreads an ultrasound wave, which stimulates capillary angiogenesis locally. It's fascinating. Wow. And then the mist helps clean the wound. So like I've been using it on a gentleman who has an open hole in his stomach because he had a gastric tube in there. It came out and he didn't want to put it back in. He wanted to start eating again. He could. And so now he has a hole in there and you know it's all angry and pissed off and stuff. The first time I saw it, I could tell it's infected. I got a swab, but I started using the Sanyu Wave and literally in two weeks, two weeks mm. or half the dimension. That's huge. In oh, two weeks, you're half the huge. dimension of what you were. Yeah, because average healing rates are much slower for chronic wounds, much, yeah. much slower. Yeah. Right. So the Sony wave helps us a lot. Um, and uh, then we do um, advanced graphs. Uh, so we look at placental-based allografts. Our placental-based allografts are from full, uh, full-born children uh, that their mom has donated placentas. Mm -hmm. The placenta will be, um, you know, reviewed for any uh, genetic malformations, autoimmune diseases, and other infectious diseases. Once that's cleared, it's sent to the placental bank that the company owns that we work right. with, uh, and then they uh, strip apart the amnion and the chorion layer, and they they dehydrate it. They cut up their pieces and that's how that works. Wow. Uh, there's other types of graphs too that we use. We try not to take skin from somebody and put it on. That's a painful process. It does work, but it's a painful process. So instead, uh, what we'll do is um, look at, for example, a PRP injection for the wound. You know, okay. uh, uh, those are only approved for diabetic foot wounds right now. Okay. But that it's something that is, it's awesome. You know, we just take the blood, we spin it right there, three minutes. And we inject it into the wound. Uh, 
Um, we also do like uh, uh, omega-3 paste, uh, which is from fish, from salmon, I think. Right. Uh, um, or keratinocytes that are in a graph that are from human hair, for example. Um, or uh, a graph that's from a salamander, uh, uh, an axolotl salamander. Wow. Uh, so there are a lot of different ways and options to help with healing. Uh, and the data just continues to come more and yeah. more and more and more. This is a, this is a great, uh, very exciting um, time in wound care. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because I don't uh, think a lot of people are doing it like you guys are doing it. And we also, uh, I think what other things that set us apart, honestly, is that uh, if the patient, uh, if we know that we're going to be working with this patient for a while, uh, we will uh, help them clean their house. We will help them uh, sterilize the place. Uh, we'll even help with home health aids. You know, it just depends on the scenario, the situation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we want to heal a wound, sometimes we have to throw the kitchen sink to it. And right. that's what, yeah. that's what we do. Uh, and honestly, and, and I'm, and I'm also very upfront with people. So if I see a wound, like the other day, I don't, I don't pretend that I can heal every wound. I can't. Mm -hmm. So the other day I saw a lady who I knew who was almost healed, but she ended up in a skilled nursing unit because she traumatized her ankle. And three, four months later, she's got an opening that's this big, but the wound is this big inside. She's got all this undermining and I can feel her bone. And I told her, I said, I cannot heal this wound. I'm sorry. You're going to have to have surgery. They're going to have to open all this up. You're going to have to take a sample from that bone, see what infection you got gotten there. And they have to do these other things. I cannot heal this. I apologize. Right. And I had to talk to her daughter about it. And of course, the, right. the nurse practitioner at the facility that she lived at. But like, you know, again, it's about communication. Just, yeah. I don't like to sugarcoat things. Right. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I don't like to deliver bad news in a bad way. Kind of want to give some type of solution for them. Yes. Chew on. Sometimes there is no solution, though. These people yeah. are very frail sometimes, or they're just very sick. They're end of life, and their family members are holding on. And what they really need is hospice care. They're suffering. You can see. I know. You know, uh, I've been a palliative doctor for years in the hospital. Uh, and that's one of the things that it just, it breaks my heart is when yeah. the, uh, when these sweet older people are suffering and they're just, it's rough. And it's the families aren't doing it on purpose. They're just, they just, you know, they don't know what else to do. They, yeah, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. Many people haven't talked to them. They tell me they're like, no one said these things to me. I've heard this over and over and over again so many yeah. times. No one said these things to me. And my answer is because they're they're uncomfortable with it. Sure. It's, Absolutely. I can't blame other doctors. They're just uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but like then consult the palliative care doctor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's to right. Help out, you know? So those types of things, like we just can't heal. And I don't want people to suffer. There's a few times where I would go, a few weeks, you know, just to kind of take a look, see, kind of observe, do what I can. But then I, I, you know, I talk to the family. I'm like, listen, this is my observation. Every time I come, your poor mother is screaming to Jesus Christ to take her home. Yeah. Yeah. She can't move. Yeah. She's lost strength. all her muscle, her yeah. protein. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. So those types of things, but the ones we can heal, we do our best to heal. And honestly, we just pulled our numbers. We have a 98% healing rate right now of the people that we've kept, right? I can't <clears throat> say that that's part of the, the statistics of the people that we just <clears throat> haven't healed. And we was like, there's no healing here. Right. You know, right. Uh, but the people that we've kept, uh, 98%, which is above national averages right now. Yeah. Um, and we don't um, uh, model the statistics. The statistics are in a uh, uh, net health or charting documentation system. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I document all the digital pictures that I take, that's just what it shows. Right. So, you know, it's it's good. I, I, I enjoy it. My quality of life has improved significantly. I do miss primary care on some level. Yeah. Um, I have like six concierge patients that, you know, are my sweeter older people that just wanted to stick with me and uh, yeah. I love them. And, you know, uh, and it, it's good. It keeps me going. And I still take my internal medicine certifications online and do all that to make a breast. Yeah. And I read my alternative stuff, but I incorporate Beamer into my wound care. That's what I was going to ask I, you. I, I incorporate collagen collagen peptides into my wound care. I incorporate nitric oxide into my wound care. Right. Uh, the Sonia wave is an energy medicine type treatment that we awesome. incorporate. So absolutely. We, we look at all those different variables uh, to help people heal. It doesn't just have to be the standard. That's know? right. Again, it's not harming them. That's the right. key long as it's not harming them. And so you have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know your pathophysiology and your anatomy and, and you have to know the patients. Yep. You have to know the patient. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that nutrition does play a role too in the whole healing process. Oh my gosh, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. It's yeah. Huge. I mean, and yeah. who's looking at nutrition and wound care? We are. Yeah. Yeah. Besides yeah. you. You know we what I'm are. saying? We really are. You're you know, looking you're people, the whole person. They may like give a a general recommendation, you know, yeah, sure. Standard general recommendation, right, you know, right. so I get in the nitty gritty. I like tell them like, go buy this, go buy that, go buy that, do this, do that. <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't know. Okay. And they're just going to get, you know, something at the drugstore yeah. and that's probably not going to be effective. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Cause and I, and I encourage everyone, Lisa, to do their own research and not to take my sure. word, just a standard, yeah. you know, I'm like, please, research what I told you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, give everybody. them the resources, you know, videos, uh, different sites mm -hmm. that they can look at. And yeah, I, I do the same, you know, it's like, you know, we do the research and I mean, that's what I did like with Renew and with Beamer is, you know, I used it myself. I experimented with it and I, you know, saw that there was an amazing, you know, change. I went to the conferences, you and I went to the conferences together, you know, and we learned about it. We spoke with the develop the people that developed it, you know, and, you know, and we understood, you know, and could see what it did before we even brought it back to our patients. So yeah, yeah that's kind of what yeah. we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been great. Is there anything else of value that you think that our listeners, um, you know, would benefit from? Yes. I'm going to talk a little piece here. And, and really this is going back to people's own uh, discovery of themselves. Um, and, uh, for me, uh, it, it doesn't really matter what you believe in per se, uh, in, in relation to your faith, right? You could be Christian, you could be Jewish, uh, 
you could be agnostic, atheist, whatever. You know, you could be very spiritual, Buddhist. Mm-hmm. I personally don't aspire to anything apart from universal love. But what I ask people to do is when you pray, whoever you're praying to, whatever you're praying for, pray with your heart, not mm-hmm. just your head. Yeah. Focus in on your prayer. And make sure that your prayer is a compassionate prayer, obviously, right? We don't yeah. want to hurt prayer. <laughs> um, and 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 what I ask people to do is feel the prayer. So how do you feel your prayer? How do you feel your meditation? So one simple way that I I can sense it is when I start getting goosebumps. Okay, when when my hair starts rising, when I'm in that prayer, when I'm in that meditation. Okay, mm. and through my research of quantum physics, quantum photon energy, and meditative practices, and evaluation of these meditative practices, there are changes that are clearly present when mm. we do these things. Yeah, okay? and so. When someone tells you, whoever it is, you cannot do this, you don't need to believe them mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. right? Because we have what we do is we take on beliefs that sometimes block us, right? So the basic way to examine a belief for me is if a belief doesn't make me feel good, it, eh, I want to remove it. I want to remove it. I want to dig deep enough and find out what it is and that it's nonsensical for me and it will be removed. But if a belief yeah. makes me feel good and positive, then yeah, I want to move forward with that, right? So that's the basic, simple understanding of it. But when you generate that strong, positive, emotional state, you do wonders for yourself. This has been shown in yeah. both subjective and objective things, Okay. You can control everything in your own system. That's the only thing you truly can control. That's it. Nothing else. Everything else you want to control. (laughs) (laughs) You try. (laughs) Try to control. (laughs) But truly, we can only control what's here. Right. And that's what I teach my kids all the time. All the time. You know, when they try to blame their brother or the teacher or their friend for anything, I'm like, no, bro, or sis or whoever I'm dealing with, yep. you know? So that for me, again, is is the most vital piece. And that's it. Going forward with peace and mm-hmm. love and just reminding myself constantly of gratitude, appreciation. Yeah. It is important because it generates this kind of this cycle of 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 a a nice vibrational state form yes you know and and i can experience it and see it you know because if i go back to experiences of when i was younger when i had uh my uh fears uh of certain things or belief systems um i could notice like problems would amount Mm. But once I remove those beliefs, literally, I could tell it was like a clear, like, kind of like when you go into a rainstorm and you come out and there's like this divide. 
you could tell, I could tell the difference, you know? Yeah. For example, I was bullied all the time as a child mm. and as a teenager for my skin, for being Iranian, for being short, you mm. know, those are the top things, yeah. right? I got in, my gosh, over hundreds of fights from five years of age to 25 years of age. Mm. But once I came to a point of understanding my strength within, mm. it went away. I may still get, you know, once in a while, the crazy here or there, but sure. whatever, <laughs> you know, it, it is. It's so true. Well, you know, you know about heart math, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so nice. it's the same. That's the same principles that they teach. And we use that. And it's so yeah. true. Connecting the heart with what you're thinking. Right. And using that, like I use that as part of my meditative practice. So there are tools out there, there are classes, there's all sorts of things. So if you're, you know, if the listeners are like, wow, this sounds really good, but like, how do you do that? Right. Cause some right. don't, um, there are lots of really great, you know, resources, books, like I said, classes, heart math, things like that, that just can start to get you in touch with how do you do that? How do you go within and, and start that kind of practice that can really make those positive impacts in your healing if you're struggling with an injury or an illness, you know, or maybe it's just stress that obviously we know over time can really create the, those problems. So, um, well, this has been so great. Thank you. I would love to do it again. Absolutely. So much more to talk about. <laughs> I know we, we, I know we will just, we'll, we'll, we'll find another topic and it should be, it'd be easy to talk about. Well, why don't you tell the listeners how they can find you? I will put your information in the show notes, um, but maybe um, the best way that they could reach out if they wanted to. Sure. Um, so the, the, the website for the wound care clinic is healprecisely.com. Yep. Uh, and we're on LinkedIn um, and on Facebook as well. Um, and, um, I, myself, I'm on Instagram. I post some things here and there about different things once in a while, it just depends on my mood and kind of the information that I get and if it's reputable or should I share it or not. Um, it just depends, you know, cause there's so much information out there. It can be mind blowing a little bit. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah. And, uh, if you are interested in, you know, having a concierge shock, uh, you can reach me uh, at 727-300-0405. That's our clinic. And they'll they'll let me know and I can contact you about that. That's great. Well, that's great. Well, I love having you in the community. And it's good to know that you are, you know, maybe doing some concierge work. So that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for taking the time. And until next time, keep getting great outcomes. Thank you for doing what you do, Lisa. Appreciate you. Thank thanks, you. Allie. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. If you haven't already, please share this out so that more people can get access to Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. Now, if you would like to work with us and connect with my team, please go to www.rehablinksystems.com where you can find our free tools, online trainings, and many resources to help you get great clinical outcomes. We look forward to serving you. Until next time.